Happy Hump Day, everybody. Welcome back to Just Friends. As always, it's me, Mitch, and I hope you guys are having a fantastic start to your week. And it's about to get even better because you're about to get to listen to the second half of our conversation with our very good friend, Miss Michelle Waymeyer. I imagine most of you guys out there listening already know and love Michelle, but for those of you guys who don't, I can't imagine making you wait one second longer to get to know her better. So, so it is my pleasure to present to you the second half of our conversation with Miss Michelle Waymeyer. You nailed it with the word dialogue. Yeah. That's what has to happen, and that's what... I mean, like a lot of the conversations that human beings are having right now are condensed down to, what is it, 240 characters now on Twitter? Yeah. Like you have Did to say they, every, I think they went up a little bit. They? Maybe. I, well, I think I it was 120 tweet. and then it went to 240. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure. Yeah. But you can't say everything that needs to be said in 240 characters. And so you do have to condense it down into an easy to digest. And then also you probably experience this. How much, how much of like a little tagline, will your kids even read before they just completely give up on it? I'll give an assignment. It'll have like three lines of instructions. They won't even read the three lines of instructions. So like the nuance and the subtlety of life is being lost. Mm -hmm. And for for right now, at least, Mm -hmm. we don't have a good system in place to overcome that. There's no simplicity. Everything like they're like everyone, including us as adults, we're exposed to so much like I'll find myself watching TV with my phone in my hand, playing a game, listening to music with kids are running. And I'm like, how does your brain even function in this environment? And so then I'm like, you have to like decompress, like turn something off and get your you know what I mean? And like, I think that's how kids function is there just there's so much noise happening all the time that that's like the environment that they thrive in sometimes. And so then when you sit them down, and you say, here's a piece of paper. Don't talk. Mm -hmm. Don't do anything. Just read. They're like, what? Huh? What do I got to do? It's more than 240 characters. Yeah. <laughs> I That's, don't know how to do the that. The world doesn't even exist in, in more than 240 characters. Well, that, and then people take everything out of context. Yeah. So like there's no dialogue happening when you read a tweet that's 240 characters and you you take what you perceive out of it and that becomes the reality of it as opposed to like the actual reality of the way you meant it but the way I perceived it is yeah. different than Intention. maybe you meant it and so then things get misconstrued and then you have to like defend yourself and it's like just this cat and mouse game all the time and it's like how about you just ask me yeah how about we just talk but no that's a great segue kind of back into what I was talking about which is like mindfulness and meditation oh yeah I've tried to do it and I've experienced a benefit from it. And yeah. Recently, uh, I had an opportunity. I had just gotten, I'd gone through an experience with my wife mm-hmm. and I was very upset with her. Yeah. And she, I've already kind of established, is very healthy. Mm-hmm. She handles things really well. Yeah. I sometimes slide back into negative patterns of behavior, but it might have been stemming from some other type of insecurity that I had yeah, or something and I was upset. And if I, I was, I wanted to address it and I was thinking about all the things I was going to say and I was trying to hash it out in my mind and I was like really just all over the place. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling angry. I'm angry right Mm -hmm. now. And I was like, I'm going to try to meditate on it and I suck at it. But the way that I do it 
and you kind of, the way you described it earlier was perfect. You just try to focus on one thing and every time you find your thoughts drifting away, you just bring it back. Yeah. And it's totally okay when your thoughts drift away. It's about bringing it back in. It's about bringing it back yeah. in. And it's about practicing that because we all suck at it. Everybody sucks at it. Mm-hmm. But then if you practice doing that, like noticing that you're distracted. Working that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. That's Training. really the most important thing yeah. is noticing you're distracted as quickly as possible and refocusing back back in. And then being able to hold that focus for a long time before you get distracted again. Yeah. You're going to get distracted again. It's just like running. Mm-hmm. I can go out right now and maybe run a mile and I would die. I was, can you can you even do a mile? I think I could do a mile. I don't know if I could. That's really? impressive. There was a time right before my sister's wedding where I was running three miles like no. three or four times a week. I could if you played Rocky behind me. Okay. Well, dun, that, dun, 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 dun. Like I could get really into it. That's what you have to do. You have to get into See, it. I am Tiger. Is that what yeah. that song is? Oh, yeah, duh. That's what that song I is. Think, I'm ashamed. You should be because I'm. am I wrong? I no, you're right. Is. You're right. Okay. Um, well, at least you have a really healthy way of coping because I think sometimes I'm like, you know, like we, we're obviously talking a lot about mental health and like your depression and anxiety manifesting into all these things that aren't actually the core of what's happening. Like sometimes it manifests in anger, or irritability or lack of sleep or loss of appetite or whatever it is. And I'm like, man, maybe if you exercised and maybe if you ate better and maybe if you meditated, then you would be okay. And it's all fine and good to say, but then when you're in like the trenches of hell, you're like, I just want like an instant fix. And that's not instant. And that's totally an American thing. You know, like fix me right now. If I'm, if it's not instantaneous, I want nothing to do with it. You're right. Um, But it's like, it's, you have to be mentally strong enough to say, I'm going to eat okay today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work out. Like, I don't work out. You just nailed it. You nailed it. And and what ultimately happened with that was I had a chance to meditate for about 20 minutes. Yeah. The whole time, it actually was a really positive, positive experience. Sometimes when I meditate, I can't keep from being distracted. I can't stay focused on my breath for more than like 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. But in this example of 20 minutes dedicated to it, there were like a couple of times where I had like three minutes straight where I really was. And that sounds that sounds pathetic, but it's actually was I was I was championing no. it in that moment where I was just focusing on my breath. And the reason why I think was because during those times I wasn't feeling the anger and the resentment that mm-hmm. I was feeling. And so like it was a relief from that. But then. I think it allowed me to better handle that conversation that I had with Sarah. Mm-hmm. But you just nailed eating healthy, exercising, meditating. They're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you've been uncomfortable all day, it's hard to have the willpower to yeah. say, I'm going to put, because for me, I don't know what it's like for Sarah to hear her describe it. She likes running. Yeah. I think there might be, that's another thing that <laughs> might be wrong, wrong with her. <laughs> but when I'm running, it's like I've made a conscious decision that my life is just going to suck real bad <laughs> yeah. for the next like 45 You're minutes. Like, I hate everything about this. <laughs> yeah. And then in hopes that once it's over, I can just feel a little bit proud about myself. Yeah. And then maybe if I do it consistently, I'll see some positive benefits. Yeah. From. But that's hard to do, especially when it's just like, 
Yeah, okay, well, I was just really uncomfortable for like the past six hours. Mm-hmm. I don't want to add it, tack on another 45 minutes I just minutes want some that. french fries. Yes. And I want to sit here, yeah. Yeah, I definitely eat my emotions. Yeah, same. Which is a struggle. And... Well, I, I kind of do both. Like, I don't eat at work ever. Yeah. Um, because I'm so high strung. The entire time I'm there, like, I don't know how your anxiety will manifest, but like mine is like knots in my stomach mm-hmm. and food is like the most unappetizing oh. in history until like the bell rings and then you're starving and then I'm star- like, I'm on the phone and I'm hangry. Like I'm like Betty White in the <laughs> Snickers commercial and I'm like on the phone with David and I'm like, I'm so hungry. And he's like, okay, Betty, like I'll cook <laughs> dinner for you. And I get home because it's like all that like your home is your comfort zone. And so once you're like out of that stressful, like we're talking about fight or flight response, like I feel like all day I'm like in fight just because you have to be like, I can't leave. You I'm here. Act to everything that's happening. Yeah. yeah. And so I just like, I don't have the capacity to, but then like on the weekends, I'm like so happy yeah. that I'm like just shoving my face yeah. and I'm like, <laughs> I should be like eating healthier and then I'm doing and fasting's not terrible. Obviously, you know, there's Eastern cultures who recommend that for a, a variety of health benefits. I like to fast. Yeah. So I'm not like, I'm like, okay, I fast, whatever during the day even though it's stress fasting it's yeah. not like health fastings but there are probably just still benefits justified. from it yeah um and i don't like need it like i don't i mean i drink coffee in the morning which is terrible because then like people who have anxiety you're not supposed to like consume caffeine shit well i'm also doing that so. and so because then you're like shaky because you're already like your responsive system what are the i can't remember the name but like your fight or flight response is activated anyway because of the anxiety and then you're amplifying it with caffeine. Um, but I do it because it makes me happy, you know, right. to, to drink coffee. And I'm like, I have a little sliver of happiness here. Um, and then I go all day without eating and then I get home and things are good and I'm home in my comfort zone and I can like cry if I want to, or I can fall apart or I can go to bed or I can be happy. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter because I'm home. Um, but then I'm just like, you know, I think about, oh, I just, I need to go to the doctor and just like get on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. And then I'm like, no, you're going to eat healthy and you're going to work out and you're going to meditate. But then you don't yeah. because you're too miserable for like throughout the whole rest of the day or whatever that that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. It does. It do- it sounds, I have not been running. I'd, I mentioned that I had been doing a really good job of it. It was over summer break, obviously. Yeah. So everything when you was were great. happy. I was stoked. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I was like, I've got an hour to be miserable today because yeah. I got 24 that I'm not going to be. Right. So it's nice. Yeah. So I definitely can relate. So like what I've been trying to make myself do, and I've been doing a crappy job of this even, I'll take Winnie for a walk and I like try to get my heart rate up, but it's hard and I think everybody experiences that. Like, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's, are you in a situation where you can? And everybody, yeah. kind of in the same way that we were talking about how, like, meditation is a muscle, like, mindfulness is a muscle you have to work out. You have actual muscles that you have to work out. I think willpower is a muscle that you have to work out. Mm-hmm. And you have to get, like, build up your resiliency and your ability to just dig in and say i'm actually going to make myself uncomfortable Mm -hmm. on purpose and sometimes you do that like just going to work every day you're like i'm on purpose for this paycheck gonna make myself Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable for the next few hours and then also 
I think this is just kind of a downside to teaching. Maybe a big part of our job happens during the worst months of the year. Mm-hmm. The, the the sad, the darkness. Oh, yeah. I, get, I get sad. I get seasonal. Uh, was Same. Seasonal affective disorder. Affective disorder. Mm-hmm. I get that bad. Me too. Especially in like December. Yeah. When it's dark. When it's dark. I'm, it, I'm worse in January, February. Really? Because like November, you get a little bit of warmth. It's chilly, like still fall weather. And then December, you're like, okay, it's only a month. Yeah. Like, and then we're off for two weeks. That's so good point. I can like cope with it a little better because there's a week, two weeks before usually, because it's usually right before Christmas time that we get out. So I'm like, okay, you can survive two weeks and then you'll be off. And then the gloom and doom doesn't really matter because you're home. I mean, it matters, but you're in your safe environment. So mm-hmm. it's okay if you feel those things. Um, but then come January, like, is this the longest January? Oh my God, in, it's January. In the existence of January. Yeah. Like, I saw something and it was like, uh, it's been one hell of a year, boss. And it's like, <laughs> it's only January. And so I'm like, that's how I feel. And I know it's because, like, when you're already prone to like anxiety or depression, which I think everybody has those tendencies, depending, you know, like it's kind of that spectrum in which it affects you. Um, but I'm also like, am I happier in the summer because I'm off? Or because I think it's a combination of like the sun, but Kentucky's the worst as far as like there's no sunshine, there's no happiness. And I've even looked into like those UV lights that um, are not, they're not you, you get like you need UVB, but you don't need UVA or something, whatever it is. Or maybe there's one you need. And so it like doesn't give you the bad ones, but it gives you the, the artificial vitamins that you need because you need vitamin D, but there's something else that the sun gives you that you absorb through your skin. Um, And even in the winter, like we just don't even have any sun to go out with short sleeves on Mm -hmm. and just absorb anything because there's no sunshine ever. I know. I'm so pale right now. It's disgusting. Yeah. You're disgusting. I'm disgusting. No, you're not. But we feel, I feel disgusting mentally, but I probably (laughs) am pasty and gross. I know I'm pasty. Gross. I saw a picture of myself there. I was like, "What the fuck is that? My arm? Is that the crypt keeper?" I, I look, I look like a like a kind of like a corpse a little bit. What's going on here? Like a chubby, like slightly pink corpse. Like what's going on? But how are you slightly pink if you're a corpse? I'm usually blushing a little bit. That's what I'm saying. Like, is that corpse blushing? Did you put blush on that corpse before you buried it? They probably do. I think they do. You know, yeah. it's interesting. My mom's a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Does she do like yep. funeral homes? And she's done her mom, what? her dad, all my grandparents, all of her family members that pass away. My mom does their hair and makeup. Does she have a really like unusual um, concept of life and death compared to most people? No, I think like yourself and like how I consider myself, my mom is a giver. Mm-hmm. And she feels like it's something that she can do for that person that she yeah. loved. So it's worth her sacrificing how she feels. Oh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it actually is. But that's how she but feels. But that's how she feels it yeah. is. Because I think there's definitely probably some, probably some trauma that comes from oh, that. Because every time you do it, yeah. it's like replaying in your head, I'm sure. So, but for her, it's she really appreciates the opportunity to do that. But I, again, I think it's, it's awesome that you're willing to talk about seasonal affective disorder. Because TJ talked about it a little bit too in our oh, podcast. Yeah? Have you ever seen a therapist or have you ever considered it um yeah i mean i have in the past um you actually have i've seen therapists in the past and like it's hard because you have to find like the perfect fit Mm -hmm. and what i found too like 
like this is a legit story that happened this year. Obviously, I'm in my first year and a half of teaching. I'm stressed out constantly. And the terrible thing is I will literally talk to like colleagues and I'm like, I cry every day. I'm miserable. Like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, we, we do too. That's normal. That's normal. Yeah. And I'm like, is this my life that's now? Like this is normal. No, it's not. It's unacceptable that they consider that normal, yeah. but that's beside the fact. So then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go talk to a doctor. I'm going to go finally like, so, like my mind is not where it needs to be. I'm going to go talk to somebody. So then I call because I don't have, like I'm rarely sick. And so the last doctor I had was when I was still living at home and he doesn't even practice at the same place. So whenever I get the flu or strep throat or something, I end up at the little clinic or something like that, you know, because it's just so rare, luckily. Um, And so I don't have a regular care physician. I got one last March because my wife made me. Yeah. And now that we're aging, like I'm going to get one. And so that I'll tell you how this is happening when I finish the story. but. The um, I called because one of my girlfriends who also deals with mental health things and I was like, I'm really struggling and I need I need a doctor who like really understands what that's like, because not all MDs are created equal in that department. Like sometimes they're, you tell them like, I'm sad. And they're like, here's a prescription that that doesn't work for me because I need you to know, like to care what I'm feeling right now so that you can not just write me off. So I I call this doctor. He's not taking new patients. I said, okay, well, do you have anyone else that I can see? And she, the receptionist said, are you currently on narcotics um, or anxiety medication? And I said, no, not currently. And she said, okay, well, were you wanting to see an MD or a nurse practitioner? And I said, well, I'm open to either. She said, well, nurse practitioners can't prescribe anti-anxiety or anti-depression medication so she said well i can get you in with an md in august goodness when was this two days ago i can get you in with a nurse practitioner in may or you can call another office oh my god and i said well it's a good thing that i'm not like on the cliff right now right. you know what i mean and yeah. like you can go to er's for those things and there's obviously peace hospital but like i don't feel like i'm there where i need to be admitted in that capacity you want to talk to somebody but i'm like i i need help and no one is like rushing to do it and i'm advocating for myself but i'm like when you're like in the troves of like that severe unhappiness what's where's your motivation to like call 17 people right and like deal with all the stuff that goes into it and I, all i can think is why is it so hard it's crazy and hard. so then like we also get like um is it eap benefits or e i think it's eap where they like have a 1-800 number you call and they will give you a therapist mm-hmm. but you this is the fucked up mental health system that we have you call the person on the other line is not your therapist you say i would like to see a therapist they say okay what area do you want do you prefer male or female and then they're supposed to call you back. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people have not called me back? Really? Yeah. Just like we've called three times. No one calls us back. Like I called and then my husband's called for me because I'm at work and I'm like, I need someone to get a hold of me. No return phone calls. So I'm like, can you call again? Because I'm at work. And like we talked about, like even during planning period. And that's another thing. Like I need to make it a priority, but I can't because I'm so busy all day long. Or like a kid is I need a parent conference or I need a whatever. So there's just not time during the day for me to like take a moment for myself. And so I'm like, can you call and, and figure out what's going on? And they just won't call us back. So we can't get a, a therapist. I can't get into like an MD. Um, and so I was able to like get someone in my old doctor's office 
who would like take me because I was an established patient. Mm -hmm. But I don't know this person. Right. And like I wanted to go in with someone that had been recommended as being like someone who was well versed in mental health as opposed to an MD who is like an 80 year old white guy who looks at me like I'm a crazy person. If I go in as a female saying like, this is where my struggles are. I have three kids. I'm stressed, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's a prescription. Bye. That's not the level of care that I want, but I feel like that's like the reality of our healthcare system that we have. Like no one wants to talk about it. And then when we do, they make you feel like a crazy person. Yeah. And aren't we all a little crazy? Yes. Like that's okay. You can be crazy, but no one is having the conversation about, how we should be able like i should be able to call my doctor or find a doctor mm-hmm. without jumping through hoops yeah like if i had cancer you're not gonna be like oh i mean well we we'll might call you no but i'm telling you there's a problem and you're not calling me back right well i think that has a lot to do with like do you have a problem that's going to make them money it doesn't seem like yeah it, it, and and because i talked to caitlin Stratton mm-hmm. a lot about this and she has also like sought out like uh she's she's mental t- health mental treatment, health treatment yeah. and stuff like that i've not but i've definitely thought about it and the thing that's held me back is it's expensive yeah which is something you haven't even talked about yet because maybe you haven't gotten that far but once you get there the third thing that sucks it's hard to get somebody to talk to you about it when they talk to you about it you don't know if they're going to th- see you as a normal person if they're going to see you as crazy but then once you finally find yourself plugged into a person, like my dad saw a therapist for mm-hmm. years. Her name's Alice Walker. Shout out to Alice Walker. I hope this brings you business. Actually, she doesn't need business because she's thriving. She's thriving. Because everyone's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> she's got tons of business. But she doesn't take insurance. And I think it's like $100 a visit. Well, I will say while you're still in JCPS, they do have an EAP program. And actually, you should have just gotten an email about it from Human Resources. You get, I think, six visits a year that's covered. You might have to pay the copay. I think it's like $25. Um, but then they pay the actual office visit. And then after that, you have to appeal like any further, like you have to get permission from the psychologist to do it. But the problem there is they only, they'll only let you see psychologists, like clinical psychologists or like family therapists as opposed to psychiatrists. Psychiatrists can provide medication and psychologists can't. So then you run into like the cross intersection of like, I have a psychologist who I'm speaking to, but then you want me to go to my MD and like share this information that I'm having with my psychologist and they don't, my doctor, I mean, if you have a good doctor, they care, but the real, the reality is they're like, I have 15 minutes with you. What do you need? Okay, here you go. Like there, you know, there's no communication happening between the two parties. So I'm just like, why don't you let people go seek help from psychiatrists who can provide both mm-hmm. the conversation and the medication should you need it? Mm-hmm. But it's expensive. Yep. And no, and insurance companies don't want to pay for it. I will say, I think that my dad was seeing a psychologist. She couldn't prescribe, prescribe him medication. But yeah. it turns out that like there's a lot of stuff you can do out front before you even really need to consider medication. So that might be beneficial to you. Cause I know you're really health conscious. You already told me that you, you're, you've cut out animal products. Yeah. Um, Talk about that type of self-control. I'm not like now I'm the annoying vegan. So thanks for that. Um, I'm I, sorry. I'm a compassionate eater. Yeah. I'm not a vegan. I'm a vegan. 
like i'm a fake vegan mm. i i still like will eat certain things like if i go to my mom's house and she cooks something with butter i'm not like oh my god you use butter mm-hmm. um i like just legitimately and like i feel even ridiculous talking about it because I, I feel like people are rolling their eyes no, as i'm speaking so, about it's it so responsible but, it's the world we live in nowadays uh, i i and i don't like hurting anything mm-hmm. like you seen uh, that Netflix documentary? No, I can't. Oh, I can't God, watch any don't of it. Watch it. It's crazy. Um, when I was pregnant with Jack, I think there was a mouse that ended up in my house in the middle of winter, and I shit you not, she was giving birth under my couch. Oh my like gosh! Teeny, the mouse tiny was? little baby oh. mice. Were, I have a picture and a video of it happening. Were, wow. Was giving birth, and I'm not like eight months pregnant, and I well, I was less than that, seven months pregnant, whatever it was. And I'm like, hormones raging. And I'm like, this mother mouse is giving birth. And like, my husband's like, just trap it and kill it. And I'm like, I can't. And my aunt's a science teacher. She's like, put it in the freezer. And I'm like, oh my God, no. Because it freezes on, they fall asleep. So it's the most humane way to to kill something if you could, because they like kind of just essentially pass out and don't, they're not in pain. I mean, they're cold for a little bit. I don't know. Um, You're trying to, you're trying to solve this problem in the most humane way possible. And I'm not going to like smash it with a hammer, obviously. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? And I like grab a clear plastic container and I like trap her and I put like a piece of paper under it or something. And so then this is kind of kind of a sidetrack, but this is kind of where my mindset goes. And I took her outside with her babies. She's still in the throes of giving birth because I don't know what you know about mice, but they have like eight to 10 babies at a time. I didn't even, wow. Yeah. Um, and so I take her out. And as soon as I put her like she's still in the container, she takes off. And so here's like these two teeny tiny little babies that don't even have eyeballs yet. And mom abandons them and they're, they're mice. Like, what is wrong with me? I don't know. And I'm in tears. I'm like, these baby mice are going to die and I can't feed them. They're too little. They need their mom. My hormonal ass drove them to Shively Animal Clinic and took them inside and dropped them off as if they're not going to just throw them in the garbage or feed them to a snake. I don't like, (laughs) I just did. I'm like, it was the only option I felt like I had because it was the only thing I could do to make sure they were safe. And you know what happens on the way home from dropping baby mice off? The truck in front of me hits a, uh, a dog running across the road. Oh, my God. Then I have to help put a bloody dog on the back of this woman's truck. And two Butler High School students actually came and helped us. Bless their hearts. They ran across three lanes to come and help us. They were super sweet for doing that but like i'm literally in tears and that dog ended up dying oh and i posted on facebook on like i'm dixie highway when i had it at the time hey just fyi like this dog was hit by a car we don't know if it had an owner we took it to shively animal clinic and the woman who owned the dog ended up reaching out to me and she was like our dog passed away i just want you to know i really appreciate that like his final moments weren't spent dying on the side of the road and that somebody cared enough to take him you know but like Things like, like, I don't want, I don't like suffering in general. Like, I don't like human suffering. I don't like animal suffering. I don't like anything that has to do with suffering. And watching documentaries on Netflix and things, I'm like. Yeah, you see a lot of suffering. If you, if you own chickens in the backyard and they're just doing their chicken thing, living in your coop and they're, that's their life. Okay, you eat eggs. Cool. But that's not the reality of the industry that we have. And so I said, well, I don't like it. So I don't want to do it. I don't want to contribute to the suffering of something that's living. And obviously, like the argument is plants feel pain too. 
and okay they feel pain so but i have to eat and they if anything is going to feel the least amount of pain it's going to be a plant we found that animals have the capacity to feel emotions and, and make memories and and do those things and, and so talk I, in some cases dolphins yeah, can talk to each other i know so I, and uh so i just decided i'm just gonna stop i don't like it i don't want to do it anymore um and there's some crazies out there who live that lifestyle and you know, the whole PETA movement and stuff. And I'm not there. I just try to eat compassionately and meaning that if, if something is from someone's backyard, I don't mind to eat the eggs from there because I, I know where they came from. And even like the FDA standards for um, free range chickens means they're in a giant facility packed like a tin can but they're free they're not in a cage no they're not they're not you make it sound like they're out in a field they're getting trampled on by people i've, I've watched the documentary they're clipping it's their crazy beaks yes and the little baby like it's just a terrible they're feeding industry. each other to each other and stuff yeah, yeah and they're like pecking at each other because they're trapped and it's just not something that i felt comfortable contributing to now if you're a hunter and you go out and kill a deer that deer had no idea what was coming? Something was going to eat it eventually, too, he probably. He lives his life. He's out in the field. He's having a good old time. And all of a sudden, he's dead. He doesn't know any different. Do your thing. You have cows that you raise from birth and you slaughter them. Do your thing. Yeah. Because they're not, there's no suffering happening mm-hmm. in their life. But I don't want to contribute to the suffering of anything if I can avoid it. That's a really compassionate, but also, like, when I said that earlier, I wasn't trying to come from a critical place. Like I'm a little bit, I don't want to say envious, but I can definitely appreciate your point of view. And I would like to try to adopt that point of view, but my cheese is really good. Yeah. I really like, (laughs) I really like me and I don't like veggies much because I'm just, that's just one of those things where like, hopefully I'll grow. Yeah. Just do meatless Mondays or something. Yeah. Something like that. And even like, the vegetarian lifestyle because i went vegetarian for a little while um and then i started learning things about um milking like cows they perpetuate birth Mm -hmm. take the babies away just so they can have milk yeah and i'm like i i am a human obviously i my capacity for understanding and communication is a little higher than a cow's and there's going to be people i'm sure who are like you know how ridiculous you sound that you're comparing like a human mother to a cow mother but i'm like how how can someone go in and take something that was living inside of whatever it was from them at just to use their body i don't want to be used why am i using something else in that capacity so that I was like, even being a vegetarian for me wasn't enough because I was still almost in my mind contributing to more suffering because at least if they raise a cow and they slaughter it, he's dead or she's dead. But if I'm eating cheese or dairy products, you call me bougie earlier because of my soy milk, (laughs) which soy milk has things like there's my mom's like, you do realize that if you consume almond milk, the almonds use more water like it takes like 6,000 gallons to grow one almond mm-hmm. or something ridiculous. And so I'm like, crap, now I got to give up almond milk. She's like, you're going to run out of things to battle. Yeah. You know, like there's always going to be something wrong. And I completely agree. So I'm not saying that there's, an, this is the right answer. I'm just saying I'm doing what feels right for me. And so um, like vegetarian didn't even feel like enough because I was like, they're milking these cows and they're literally like trapped in these, you know, they put their troves around their neck and they just milk 
milk them all day long and they're bleeding and there's pus and they literally separate pus from the milk in the processing of it and blood. And like one of my friends from Western, she grew up on a dairy farm. That was her family's income. And they didn't have to, I mean, there was always pus and there was always blood, but they took care of their animals better than like large factories would because they were like a small family owned business. And so they had a more one-on-one connection with their animals if there's even such a thing. And so I wasn't like, I'm not like dogging people who live that lifestyle. That's your way of taking care of your family. You do what you have to do to make that happen. And I think family farms tend to care a little bit more because they are feeding their own children with those things mm-hmm. as opposed to a big industry who's just, they're not, the CEO doesn't even see what's happening. They're trying just, to make that paper. Right. Um, so I ended up giving up all animal products in that sense, but cheese is terrible to give up. Like yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> like queso is uh, so good. How long have you been doing that? Um, I think I went animal product list when I was pregnant with Jack and he's four. Oh my gosh. So almost five years. And ironically, Talk about some discipline. Oh my goodness. I, and beer is vegan. So oh, nice. There's that, you know, That's you tight. can, and so is, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, you can. And so is weed. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you might want to edit that out. I'm a school teacher. You don't smoke it though. So why do no, you care? No, but I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it. Well, but... Tim talked about it a lot. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but I like went into my doctor and I was like, I just want you to know that like I'm giving up animal products and like I know protein is a huge builder in everything like our our system we need protein to to grow and she said okay well just make sure you're getting lots of beans and lots of protein rich food sources blah 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 little fucker came out nine pounds six ounces (laughs) they thought he had diabetes and i was like okay there's no protein problem here so he was good nine pound ten ounces six ounces six ounces yeah that's a lot yeah so he was uh but he was big, but it was just funny because like they made a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you gonna? How do you get protein from fucking beans? Beans, yeah. Like, <laughs> and actually, most beans have more protein than meat. I'm just saying. I think that's yeah. I've read that somewhere. So, was that was that your second? Was that your second child that you birthed? Yeah. Yourself, okay. Yeah. So I have three. My oldest is my adoptive son, and then Henry is my first birth and he's seven now and then jack is um my second he was that the big fat buddha baby we called him because he literally looked like buddha when he came out oh um but I yeah think that's cute i'm not sure yeah well he he was mostly cute he had some ugly moments well, you're not allowed who? to call your kids ugly i don't so, know who said that but like it's a thing because like i'll be like oh my god look at that ugly face he had because he was like real fat and his eyes were real little and his lips were really tiny but his cheeks like were chipmunk cheeks and I'm like, God, he was really ugly. And my aunt's like, you can't call your own baby. Why not? I pushed him out. Yeah. Call him whatever I want. Exactly. But Plus, if he was ugly, like, let's be objective here. He's not ugly now. Well, good for him. Yeah, but he had an ugly phase. We all have ugly phases. Yeah. Teenagehood. All Gosh. of teenagehood. I'm, I'm waiting for mine to end. I'm hoping it's soon. <laughs> so, you did, so did you adopt your oldest son um not officially um but you married his dad so he's your son yeah so yeah yeah um and i've been his mom since he was four so 
uh, he's no different to me than right than any other child. Well, you're obviously an extremely compassionate person, so I imagine it wouldn't be hard to make that transition. No, it didn't feel unnatural at all. And actually, I think my husband was the most weirded out by it because he's like, what do you mean you're going to keep him while I go to work? What do yeah. you mean you're going to? And I'm like, well, we're we're in a relationship. That's your kid. That's a priority. You don't date someone who has a kid without expecting that you're going to be a parent or not even a parent, but like a a role model in their life. You know, even if they have two parents, you're still an adult figure who is a representation to them. You're going to build a relationship with. So, so let's get there. How did you meet your husband? Um, when I was at, I guess Western. I don't. I think that's what college. You know, I went to so many. I went to a lot too. I'll tell you. I went to U of L for a year, and then I went to JCC for a few years, and then Starbucks eventually allowed me to go online to thought, ASU for I thought free. Thought you were gonna say you went to Starbucks, and like you do know that's not a college. Well, but. You know, like I, I <laughs> they, learned a lot there. They've let you. Where was it? ASU. Yeah. Where's so they, that? It's like Arizona Alex. State University. Oh, okay. No, I was at Western, and I my dad worked in Rubbertown. Okay. Um, he worked at Poly One, which it actually just got bought out, and then they closed the plant down. So he's retiring now. He's been working for 150 years. So he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> he's like, I might be a Walmart greeter. I'm <laughs> like, okay, okay, Dad. That's cool. That's what makes you happy. But he like he grew up in the generation where you just work. Like he's worked there since he was 18 years old. Wow. And so like literally in the same place. And he's like, so he's lost. But that's just his generation. You know, he's older. I think he's in his 60s now. I don't even know. But he was born in the 50s. So his he was like, once you were out, you were out. Like, yeah. no, there's no help from home. So he had to be really self-sufficient early on. But he the plant finally closed. But anyway... Um, I worked there as like an internship type thing when I was in college. They had like a college program for family members. And um, so I worked there, which was a really great experience because obviously it's a blue collar environment. And I grew up with like a teacher mom and a blue collar dad. So I kind of had both perspectives of lifestyle and what that would have to offer. And so I am grateful for the experience because white collars usually a lot of mental labor blue collars a lot of physical labor mm-hmm. so they're both very demanding but in very different capacities um so i was there and at the time my husband worked swing shift so he was you know you're on three for 12 and then you, you do nights the next time for four or whatever it was and did your like, dad do that coming up too because that seems he, like because i have I, a friend I think so i have a friend who worked in rubber town or they're her Caitlin Stratton's, I think, grandpa did it. And then mm-hmm. a girl I used to date, they worked for American Synthetic Rubber Company over okay, there. Okay, yeah. And they worked. Most of them do work shifts, swing yeah. shift down there. Um, he ended up, my dad was nine or seven to three because he had so many years in eventually. Nice. Yeah, he like unloaded trucks. It was like cake work, you know. But he earned it. I mean, he'd been yeah, there for forever. Put so that time in. Um, but I don't know how much you believe in like, not fate, because that sounds so cheesy and I'm not a big fan of of stereotype things but i literally walked past my husband and i turned because as soon as we walked past like it, you know do you ever make eye contact with someone at a like a four-way stop and you like look over and they look over too and you're like what are like why is it that we both instinctually like connected eyes so, you know what usually I usually like, that happens to me i'm like oh shit <laughs> they saw me Fuck. i don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but you know what i mean like it, it's like 
I don't know if it's cosmic or that sounds really cheesy. Like I said, but you felt a spark, but there was, yeah. Like I turned and I was like, well, that's weird. And he turned too. And so we like, he probably turned because he was trying to look at my ass, but mm-hmm. I turned because I, I, would, dog. I see yeah, you dog. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't see him again cause he was back on nights or whatever it was. And I asked my dad about him. I was like, Hey, what's that? What? He's like, who are you talking about? And so I like described him like, Oh, I think you're talking about Waymire. Cause they all, you know, men and workforce, they all go by last names. I'm like, I don't know, whatever it was. And so I found him on Facebook and you stalked him. I, I slid you're into so his tenacious. Wow. And he was really naive to everything. Cause I was like out at four street with some friends, you know, young and dumb, just having a good time. And he's like going to a bonfire and I was like, I love bonfires. And he's like, that's great. Me too. And I'm like, I really <laughs> like to go to a bonfire. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to one right now. And I'm like, I really wish someone would invite me to a bonfire. Wow. And he's like, yeah, that would be really nice. Wouldn't it? And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> like jackass, I want to come to your bonfire. You told him. Yeah. Eventually Way to take ownership of that. So we ended up like, hanging out and we have been together ever since literally like the first day we hung out we never we never stopped for 10 years now and so he had a son how old was he at the time what was his name you said it earlier but i dalen dalen yeah he was four cool and he's getting ready to be 14 so 10 years wow i know it's crazy so i have lots of um relationship wisdom for anybody who needs it 10 years in i think all of us need it (laughs) no so your oldest son's name is dalen i'm gonna write these things down i've lost my pen I've lost my pen. That's what happens. Oh, well. And then next son's name is Jack. Henry. Henry. And then Jack. Yep. Okay. Yep. And um, so, yeah, we're 10 years in. And I mean, things are normal. I don't like there's nothing. Well, what is nothing is normal. I don't think. Typical. Maybe typical. Yeah. I don't even know if that really exists. Yeah. What was. So you kind of you have an interesting perspective. How long were you a mom before you gave birth? To a human. Three years. Three years. And so what was that transition like? I mean, I for me, it wasn't really a transition because I, I've never, I mean, I like humans, like I've said. I, I'm just not the type to um, separate the two. Like once you give birth to a human and you've made that commitment like you're a unit now yeah so i knew going into it you know he told me he was he said i have a kid this is how odie is and i said okay Uh, i mean that's fine with me i like kids obviously like i'd i think every job i'd had from high school on had to do with kids so it didn't really bother me um i think it was like i said weirder for him than it was for me to transition there because he was like i i don't need you to feel like you have to be his mom but I didn't really care if that's how he saw me. Then that's how he saw me. If he, if I was his friend, I was his friend. I just wanted to be like a good human being for him to be around and like make him feel loved. So mm-hmm. I'm like, is that's what parenting is essentially. I mean, you have to discipline them too. But at the time that wasn't my job. I was more just a role model in his life and like somebody who could provide that love for him when dad was at work or whatever it was and do homework with him and cook him dinner, um, give him stability and, then obviously, um, once we got married and and built more of a life together in that sense, now like he hates me because I discipline him. But because <laughs> you're his mother and he's a teenager, so yeah. it's, it's, he's supposed to. Yeah, but as much as I want to be everything for him and uh, and be um, his mom, yeah, I do worry that like he understands that I'm not his biological mom. 
and who doesn't want their biological mom in their life right you know what i mean even Mm -hmm. if i don't know so i'm hopeful that he he continues to to soar and, and be happy and and look back and think i had everything i needed Uh, we we were out to dinner uh, a couple weeks ago. Where'd you go? I think El Nepal. Ooh, good yeah. choice. But no queso for Damn. me. No, you fucked no, up. No. Shit. David loves the chorizo. Oh, so he's chorizo. like, you want some of this cheese? I'm like, fuck you. And it's like covered in, in sausage or whatever, chorizo beef or whatever All it the is. Best stuff. Yeah, it's so good. But I'm like, whatever. He's like, how do you not? And I like got black beans and rice. And they were like, did you order that on purpose? <laughs> like my other family, because they thought it was a mistake. So they're like, who orders black beans? That's funny. Um, but yeah, so we're out to dinner. And, um, my my seven-year-old, is like playing on his phone. We're with family that he doesn't like hang out with all the time. And we're having a grown up conversations and we've been here for two hours. He's bored. Like let the kid play on his phone. Yeah. And, and I don't want to say his name. We'll call him uh, Bert. Cause I don't know. I don't want to hurt his feelings. If he ever hears this comes over and he's like had a few too many. And uh, yes. he like tries to talk to him. And he Henry, had that coronavirus. Yeah. And Henry's like on his phone and he's like get that phone out of your hand and i was like all right you're getting a little aggressive with a six-year-old but okay (laughs) and he's like that's the problem with this generation and so then henry starts crying because Mm -hmm. he like this grown man is like coming at him projecting all of these things onto him that are coming from way different places yeah and so and he was like look don't be a little sissy about it and so then my mom like took took henry over and like let's talk and so then the bert looks at me so bert's like that's the problem with this generation they're all a bunch of sissies and i'm like you do realize you're talking about my kid right and he's like well they cry about everything and i'm like where's the responsibility of like the generational responsibility for those what exactly about crying is not manly i don't understand how they're correlated right like showing emotion and feeling how you feel doesn't negate the fact that you're a man or a woman yeah exactly so then like we're talking about toxic masculinity or we're talking about drug addiction or we're talking about mental health you know i i just worry about the generations that come after us because grandparents are raising grandbabies Mm -hmm. and parents are too busy doing what they do for themselves instead of raising their kids and it's scary it is scary and it's not a and I'll make this statement so you don't have to, because it's not a very popular thing to say, but I don't think everyone should just have kids. No. You need to sit down and really think about it. And then even then, like, you can only think about it from the context of your experiences and nobody looks back and thinks, oh, I had it terrible. Mm-hmm. But we have to be more responsible about mm-hmm. making other people. And that has to be something that is out there in the dialogue, like who's prepared to have babies and who's not. Mm-hmm. And like right now, Sarah and I are not having kids. We've made a decision not to have kids. I don't know. I don't know what type of parent I would be. I think she would be a fucking amazing parent. I would like to think that I would be good at it, but I you know. You would because you would care. I, well, that's a big part of it. Yeah. But I would, I know like I'm neurotic. I think things about things constantly and mm-hmm. I worry, 
my kid would probably have that and they would have to deal with that and there would be consequences well to then that. they would have mom yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <to> exactly. like <laughs> your daddy is unhealthy it's okay this is how you really should handle it so but but also those things could be some of those things could be argued to be genetic so even mm-hmm. if you you know seeked help for and and you improved in those situations that you felt like were your downfalls there's not to say you're still not going to pass them on anyway. Exactly. So then you just, you have to be prepared. And that's why I said, because you care would already make you a good parent because good you would care enough to say, I might've given this to you. I might've passed this down to you, but I knew when I had it, I needed help to handle it. So now I have the skills to teach you, but also I know how to seek help for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas not everyone is like concerned enough or recognizes their own problem Mm -hmm. there's no self-awareness happening maybe i I don't i don't know why but a lot of people don't realize their own faults Mm -hmm. and like it's hard to it's like that's that's straight from the bible you can recognize every you see like what is it like a splinter in the eye of your neighbor but you can't see the log in yours yeah so i mean like i think that's human nature we have this ideal that we hold ourselves to but there's a concept that i've been trying really hard to internalize and it's hard to do and i think it's weird to say that i learned this from louis ck because he's in the middle of that whole like yeah. showing his wiener to people yeah. scandal. but it was basically like you can't compare yourself to other people because they didn't start where you started yeah and their experiences have been way different than you you just have to compare yourself to previous versions of you and just hope that the version of you that you are now is better than yeah. the version of you that you used to be. Yeah, and that's all you can until do. you get worse with time instead of better. Well, some I have. Yeah, I got real skinny for a while, and now I'm getting a little bit fat again. So I'm bummed out about that. But you know what are you gonna do, really? Well, and like I think I'm I'm like more self aware, and like I'm more willing to stand up for things that I don't believe in or like stand. I mean, I I've always stood up for people, but uh, I'm more willing to stand up for what I think is right or wrong in those situations. But then in other capacities, I'm like more insecure in things like coming here and having this conversation. I was like freaking out. And I'm like 10 years ago, you, you would have like loved every minute of having this opportunity because it's fun and like we're having a dialogue and i did you know things that involved media and so i like it but i'm like why is it that suddenly so it's like you get better with certain things and then other things you're like why are you getting worse with time true we're supposed to be aging like fine wine yeah and do you think maybe it could be grapes (laughs) (laughs) do you think you could (laughs) do you think it could be that you're just more aware of the potential consequences because, I mean, people Probably. are going to listen to this. Probably. I mean, yeah, there's obviously. And then the anxiety of, like, worrying about the comments or worrying mm-hmm. about. Like, I don't. I really don't know how people live social media life. Did you Have you watched um, the Netflix documentary? Um, it's got, it follows three people. I can't remember the name of it. But one of the, do you, did you ever see the Instagram guy who literally just um, shakes champagne bottles all over girls at clubs? No. So like that's all he does. Like he got Insta famous from just like shaking up 
these champagne bottles and like squirting it on the girls in clubs. So he wow. would just post videos of this. Random and now, girls, girls that didn't even know it was going to happen. No, like, well, in the beginning, probably. But then he organized it. Later. But then people, like, the girls wanted it because they were getting insta famous, and oh, so I they see. were like, "Where's he going to be? We're hoping that he'll come spray us and we'll end up on Instagram and we'll get tons of likes and then he'll tag us or blah blah blah." So he literally gets booked just to go for 30 minutes or an hour and he hypes them up and then he like squirt champagne on them and then he leaves but like he's fucked up all day long and like he's just like he'll go to like he'll fly from one spot to another and like he just stays drunk the whole time and he's like he's like i don't have friends my family never sees me like i go and like put on this persona and then i come back to my hotel room and i'm all by myself like i don't understand how people like deal with all of the the comments and all of the conversations and all of the negativity mm-hmm. of being like insta famous. So like if all 17 people who listen to this like make comments, I don't know how many you have. I was joking. Nobody but, nobody makes comments. Oh, you don't I, have I have that Facebook community group, but not a lot of people participate. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp womp. It's okay. The the most uh interaction I got was I made a a post that said it's my birthday talk shit about me and all my friends said mean things about me oh they roasted you they roasted me so whenever it's a a negative they're happy to do it anytime my (laughs) friends have the opportunity to pick on me just ever slightly they definitely love the chance yeah well i mean that happens so Mm -hmm. but all right well then that makes me feel better because i'm always like worried about but i you can't please everybody no you 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 want to do you want to i don't know maybe that's just me want to i definitely do i want everybody to like love me right. and i'm like that's not even a realistic expectation right. you're setting up you're already gonna fail if you set that for yourself but and there I are do. people that suck who you don't even like why and i still there are people who i don't like but i want them to yeah, like me you're like why do i care but I you no do idea. i do yeah i don't know why or like people you just don't respect right like, who are just mean and nasty to you and you're like why don't you like me right. <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> i'm like why do you care you don't even respect them you don't really like them you don't want to be their friend you don't want to hang out with them but you right. suddenly care what they think about you mm-hmm. when it's irrelevant but i am constantly like people please just like me mm-hmm. and nothing happened in my childhood that would make me you know you talk about like trauma or like when you're growing up what's going on in your life I grew up great. Mm-hmm. My parents were, my mom literally was like the multitasking queen. I don't know. Like, I don't think she ever slept. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she coached soccer and she did gymnastics and she was the PTA president and wow. she owned her own business. And she like, she was super mom. Like I remember she would do laundry in the living room at like 10 o'clock at night and I would get out of bed and she would be in there trying to finally watch a show after she'd been working all day and you couldn't pause back then. Oh, and yeah. she'd be like looking around me, you know, <laughs> like, will you get the fuck out of I'm my way? To watch TV. Yeah. And I'm like, mommy, mommy. And she is just the most patient, kind person in history. And she would like give you the shirt off her back. And so I never felt like pressure from her to be a certain way. You know, a lot of times when you're a perfectionist or like you seek that approval from everybody, you think, oh, surely you didn't live up to the expectations of your parents or that's why you are the way you are. But I never felt like that. Um, so I think it's just my personality. I wonder maybe though also, cause I feel that way if it has something to do with society, like that's what social media is. Like me, like me, like me, literally they yeah. call them likes, give me likes. Yeah. So it might just be that 
culture is organizing itself in that way now. And there's definitely something to be said. I mean, like I have kids and I'm not even going to try to exclude myself from this because I battle yeah. my addiction to my devices as well. Yeah. But they, they'll they have, they'll trade likes. Like mm-hmm. I, everything you post, I will like as long as you like everything I post. Yeah. Because they get dopamine and serotonin releases from seeing, from getting the validation uh-huh. that we were just talking about. Well, and they also have the Finstagrams. Oh, yeah. Like... Their spam accounts and stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah. And how they remember all the logins, I will God. never know. Because I'm like, how do you even remember your username? I forget mine when I get kicked out or like you get a new <laughs> device. You're like, what's my what's my handle? I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, they they have their Finstagrams and like they they target their audience. Like they're marketing masterminds with no real ability to do anything with right. it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously people make money on social media, so maybe they they stand a chance there, but like they they'll have accounts that are just for these topics or just where they're literally just throwing a bottle or they're just whatever and they will switch between the two and so you're getting likes for something that's not even a representation of you so mm-hmm. you're validating a part like something that's not even you your persona it's like this character you play or this exhibit that you do or whatever mm-hmm. it is it's not even you but it gives them satisfaction anyway. And that they the same thing is true for video games. Yeah. Like Fortnite players. Oh yeah. The the serotonin and dopamine release, they have found that kids who play excessively do not get the same dopamine and serotonin release that they would get from other like so if a kid gets an ice cream cone. Yeah. They give a kid who doesn't play Fortnite an ice cream cone, dopamine, serotonin go up, right? Mm-hmm. Fortnite players get an ice cream cone, their serotonin and dopamine don't move. Oh gosh, that's crazy. they need a different level of validation and it's like, it literally is an addiction. Oh yeah. They're you de- know what I mean? They're definitely addicted to Fortnite, but it was designed to be addicting. To be addictive, yeah. Yeah, but isn't everything, like yeah, isn't social right. media designed, isn't right. like that, that's, they don't make money if they're not, if we're not addicted to it. So it takes a level of self-control and like self-awareness on our parts to be like, I'm not going to do this. And we all lack that. Yeah. Well, the fact that you're aware and kind of what you were saying earlier, the fact that you care so much and just like the level of compassion that you've expressed, Mm -hmm. your kids are going to have really serious challenges, but Mm -hmm. at least they've got you. So I think you should be glad that about that. And they're going to have a huge leg up. And I'm sure you see this on a lot of the young people that are in our classrooms and that yeah. are in our communities. And so that's that's awesome for them. Yeah. It's only three. <laughs> I wish it would be more. <laughs> really? You want more kids? No. I mean, I, I would love to, but uh, the, when I pushed out Jack, my husband was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get fixed. Cool. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never having another one again. <laughs> I'm bleeding everywhere and I'm wearing a diaper. And he was like, all right. And then like six months in, I'm like, why did you go get fixed? I need another baby. And now it's too late. But like he, he'll he he'll like get drunk and he's like, let's have another baby. And I'm like, we literally can't. He's like, let's practice. <laughs> I'm like, let's not because you're useless. You can't give me anything You're anymore. broken. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I mean, I would have had more probably, but it, they're a lot of money. They're a lot yeah. of work. And you want to be able to give them equal time. Mm-hmm. And in a traditional, and I say traditional and like 
1950s ideology mm. like in a traditional setting mom or d- even if it was dad home there's a parent home they're able to like give that attention to each kid in a different capacity but you and your wife both work yeah so you're both working kids at daycare all day or with grandparent or whatever it is and you come home and the amount of time that you have to legitimately like connect is so minimal that you're like if i have four or five six however many kids how am I going to ensure that each one of them is getting something for me that's valuable and is setting them up to be successful? Right. You know what I mean? So I, uh, I don't. I wouldn't be sad if I had another baby, right. but I do worry about me not being able to give them enough. And that's once again like back to you're never enough. You're not doing yeah. enough. Um, and people have four kids and their kids are great. So yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I just don't know in the society that we're moving toward and that we live in now we're just stretched so thin that sometimes our kids are the like, here's the device. Here's a, whatever go. I'm busy because we're just given, we have too much to do and it's not their fault. It's not our fault. It's the way we're the society that we live in. And so we just, I try to give them one-on-one attention when I can. And I worried that I wouldn't be able to do that if I had more. So you do the best you can. Yeah. So maybe adoption one day. I don't know. Hey, that's getting old. Sarah and I have talked about how, like, if we were ever to decide that we wanted kids, mm-hmm. we would consider to adoption. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that comes with a lot of its own challenges. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm only 30. She's only 26. So we got plenty oh. of time. Yeah, you know, girl, I, I robbed that cradle. Yeah, you did. We were talking about it the other day, and I was like, yeah, you know, I graduated high school in 2007. She was like, I was in seventh grade. Oh, I was well. like, e! You don't even want to know David and I's age gap then. How much is it? When when David graduated high school, I was in fourth grade. Nice. Good for <laughs> we, you. We have a twelve and some change age gap. So does it feel that way though? No. No, neither with me and Sarah. Yeah, either. and I never was interested in men my age really. Yeah. Because, like, not that I'm tooting my own horn, but like I, I always felt more mature. So you're saying like, I never had a chance? You stood a little bit of a yes. chance. You, you guys did, all heard it. You heard it here. You never pulled the trigger. Well, that's because I was scared of triggers. You know how many guys like in high school were like, I had the biggest crush on you. And I'm like, I had the biggest crush on you too. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. If you would have, I didn't know you liked me too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh man. And I'm like, too late now. We're married. Yeah. But yeah. So you heard it here. T- uh, 12 years ago, you could have stood a chance. Man, that's so cool. Dang. My whole opinion of myself just changed a little See? bit. I'm so proud. You were so much cooler than you gave yourself credit for in high school. I'm so I'm happy. This has been a great conversation for me. I hope you feel as like lifted up as I feel right now. I do. I hope we were, were we too like negative? Did we talk about too much deep like no. Okay, I, I guess I'm just... There's no reason to even worry about the conversation that we had or whether or not it's positive or negative because it was real. Yeah. And it was organic and that's what people care about and want to listen to. Yeah. And so like maybe we in this moment had a more difficult conversation or yeah. like a more profound conversation than we might have had otherwise. It's because it's winter. It's because it's winter. <laughs> and we're in sad mode. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> we need to revisit... In, we should. in the summer when it's warm and then compare the two and it's gonna be like night and day yeah and you're like man look how optimistic and upbeat Heck and then yeah. you'll be on the way to a new job yeah and like really optimistic and upbeat because you're getting ready so. to start a new experience and you're like thank god i don't have to stress out in the classroom anymore mm-hmm. i'm jealous so 
I don't know how long you want to do this, but this seems like a natural place to stop. I'm good. And it's you know. 148. Okay. So, means we've been at it for like two hours. Which is perfect. Michelle, thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, thanks for having this me. This is a blast. Yes. Regardless oh. of what you think, you're like the most popular kid from school. Yeah, but no. Okay, well, maybe not. We'll see. There was way more cooler kids than me. I disagree. They just didn't know they were cool, but way cooler than me. Maybe that's true, but I don't know if that's true. It is. All right, well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I love me. you. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Woo-woo. All right, guys, and that's it for our conversation with Michelle. I know. <laughs> she was amazing. It's a bummer, isn't it? Hopefully that won't be the last time we hear from her. I think she was really receptive to the idea of doing a group podcast, so I'm going to definitely work hard to make that happen. Next week, we've got a really fun guest, Mr. Chris Young, so hope you guys are all excited about that. Not the country music artist, even cooler. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please rate the show and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're sharing the Facebook page and the Instagram page, sharing your favorite episodes with people, just letting everybody know what we're doing over here. I'm sure there's still tons of people who aren't listening, and uh, we want to get them on the bandwagon, so please make sure you're doing that. And if you really want to support the show, you can always head over to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts, and you can become a patron and you can support the show. And for those of you guys who are already patrons, I promise I'm going to start getting on top of some exclusive content for you guys very soon. You guys know how it is. Y'all have got jobs and shit. It's tough to find time, but I'm going to get on it, I promise. For everyone else, I hope you all have a great week. I'll see you guys on Sunday. Bye.